let's go ahead and pray in. Lord God, I thank you once again for another day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask on this day, Lord, that you would just open up our minds and our hearts uh, to receive your word. Give us your understanding and your knowledge that we be able to break this word down, to grasp it, and help us to apply it in our own lives. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. Okay. Um, so before we get into uh, this week's lesson, I'm going to go over my answers um, from last week. All right, so uh, let me see. Okay. So, yes, we had to uh, answer the questions, right, refer back to the test, and then give our responses, right? So, uh, let's see. Okay. Um, so, after we read, that's what it was, read Genesis, or read Genesis 16, then answer the questions. So, these are my answers. So list all the things, and this is question one, list all the things you learn about Hagar from this chapter. Um, Hagar was Sarai's servant, because again, they were not Sarah and Abraham yet. They were still uh, Sarai and Abram. So Hagar was Sarai's servant. Uh, she was Egyptian. She was still young enough to bear children. Uh, she resented Sarai for making her lay with Abraham, right, Mary and Abraham. Uh, she ran away after she was dealt with harshly. She was met by the angel of the Lord uh, in the wilderness by a spring of water. She recognizes God as the God of seeing, right, Elroy. Uh, she gives birth to Ishmael when Abram is 86 years old. Question two, whose idea was it that Abram and Hagar have relations? Why? Uh, referring back to the text, Genesis 16, verses 1 through 2, Rai felt like God wasn't going to give, uh, yes, wasn't going to give her children, um, at least through her, and that they would have them instead through her servant girl. Question three, do you think Hagar had much of a choice in this decision? What is your reasoning? Again, going back to the text, uh, I cited verses 3 and 4. Hagar had contempt for Sarai. She couldn't say no. She was a servant. Uh, question 4. What provoked Sarai and how did she respond? I cited Genesis, verses, uh, Genesis 16, verses 4 through 6. Uh, Sarai gets offended and is upset by Hagar's contempt for her, deals with her harshly. Now, out of curiosity, I did some more digging, right? And I looked at some commentaries to see what exactly was going on and how were servants back then dealt with. Like when they say, uh, well, let's look at the text. Let's go there now. Genesis 16. Yes, Genesis 16, um, verse 6. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. That was the ESV version. 
So I just wanted to know. I'm like, okay, well, what exactly does that mean? Um, this is from Benson Commentary, uh, Making Her Serve with Rigor. Uh, in Elliot's commentary, uh, they interpret it as her being reduced to her original condition as a servant, um, either by imposing labors upon her above her strength or by grievous stripes which she could not bear. Oh, I'm sorry. So Elliot's commentary was reducing her to her original condition as a servant because she was uh, married to Abraham and became one of his concubines. So then Elliot's saying that she was reduced back to her position as a servant. Matthew Poole commentary says, uh, either by imposing labors upon her uh, upon her above her strength or by grievous stripes which she could not bear. Um, and then Gill's exposition says, kind of referring back to those same things, a lot of people reflect on the fact that it could have been harsh labor. Um, but he also added, uh, though it may be she only chastised her maid since the angels seemed to approve of what she did. Uh, and they cite Genesis 16 and 9. Um, and Hagar had a proud spirit and was unable to bear it. Now, looking at because I did look for the scripture. Uh, if you go to Exodus chapter 21, let me find it. I'm looking in the ESV right now. So Exodus 21, and in verses 20 through 21, okay. It says, when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he should be avenged. Talking about the slave or servant. Okay, not that kind of slave that y'all, you know, servant. Uh, 21, but if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. Again, this is not the kind of slavery. <laughs> okay, this is a servant. Servant, okay. Um, so right there in the word, we see that that was a form of punishment for someone's servant. So it is very possible that, you know, when they say she dealt with her harshly, yeah, she could have, um, you know, did all these things, could have put her, uh, given her uh, rigorous labor, um, strikes. We don't know exactly. All it says is that she was humbled. Because if you look at that word deal harshly in the Hebrew, it basically means something like humbled her. All right. So, yeah, it could have been that she just chastised her, or it could be all the above. We don't know. What we do know is that it was so harsh that Hagar ran away. Okay. And Hagar was like, I'm not taking this. Uh, I ain't got time for this. I'm just, you know. I'm getting up out of here. Okay. Five. Was Hagar totally innocent in all this? Why? So again, uh, referring back to Genesis 16 and 9, where God tells her to go back, right? 
uh, God or she is told to submit to Sarai. So going back to that, uh, 16 and 9, again, this is ESV. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Okay. Now, I mean, well, we'll get into that, I suppose, later on in my answers, but I just feel like I need to address it now. Yes, what Sarai did was wrong. First of all, she was out of line because instead of being patient and just trusting God, open up her womb to give her this child in due time, she kept trying to rush it. But then she's looking at herself, she's like, you know what, I'm old, I'm barren, um, you know, God has closed up my womb, there's no way that I'm going to be able to have a child right now, um, but my servant's here, so let's just do it through her. Maybe I'll, I'll get, we'll have our child through her. And it's like, what did God tell you? Okay. Then, you know, the servant looks at her with, with contempt because it's like, okay, I don't even want this. Because you have to imagine. Abram was 86 years old when she gave birth to this child. She was a very young woman. Um, according to their customs in Egypt or in the land where they were living, um, you waited like, because she was in their service for 10 years. Okay. Um, and then they were, they were married. So depending on how old she was, She's maybe in her, you know, 20s, 30s, maybe. Not too sure about the age, but she's definitely of an age where she can still have children at this time. So you have this young woman who is more or less being, you know, she has to lose because she doesn't have a, have a, she doesn't really have a choice because she's a servant girl. And then on top of that, you're having to, you know, lay down with this man because they do not have, uh, what is what is the terminology, um, in vitro, or they don't have like where you know they just put the the sperm and the egg. They don't have that during this time. So you're doing it the old-fashioned way. So you laying down with this old man. You know, I mean, and all that just is kind of like, oh, God, you know. So, yeah, she felt some type of way towards Sarai, right? And so when Sarai sees that, she gets mad, like, well, you know what? It's like, okay. So was she was she totally innocent? Mm, no. <laughs> Because even in that regard, again, she was still under Sarai's authority. Okay? Like, technically, she, Sarai went to Abram first, right? Like, well, you know, this is your concubine. You just do something about it. And he's like, well, she's your servant. With her as you please. So she handled her. And that's understandable. But again, it's like even when you feel like somebody over you is in the wrong, you still have to kind of fall in line. 
was like, yeah, I'm going to deal with Sarai, but I need you to go back and listen to your mistress. That's hard. Um, But, yeah, she wasn't completely innocent. Okay. Uh, Six, do you in any way relate to Hagar or her situation? How? Um, I personally can't think of a situation I've been in like this one, but I do recall a time I tried to pursue men, hoping to finally be with my husband, only for it to end with my own hurt and holding contempt in my heart towards them. Yet it was my own unwillingness to submit to God that put me in those situations. He would say no, which God would, you know, I would be like, hey, God, and he's like, no. And I would go after them anyway. Uh, You may even, oh, I'm sorry, you may have every right to feel a certain way, but we still have to do what's right before God. And that's the thing I want to emphasize. I'm not saying that if you have horrible leadership, um, you know, like, well, we just got to, no, 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 no. Like, we still have to hold people accountable, right? But I have to do it in a godly manner. I have to do things in a godly manner. I still have to do what's right before the Lord. So even if I feel like, you know, pastor's out of line one day, and I'm like, man, what what is going on here? I still have to do it in a godly manner. Because he's still the head of the church, and I have to handle that, like I said, in a godly manner. He's in an order. I have to come to him in a godly manner. And if I come to him and it is still like, okay, then I'm taking it to God. Like, well, you know what? I'm going to let God handle that. Because if you got any kind of relationship with him, he's going to fix that. He's going to nix that in the butt. I don't have to really do anything about that. I ain't got to handle you no kind of way. I shouldn't be trying to handle you anyway. Like, what? <laughs> what do I look like doing that? Right? But it's like, okay, I got to give you over to the Lord. Okay, so we still have to do what's right before God, even when people don't necessarily do right by us. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. And, yeah, like I said, that's hard. Honestly, if I was Hagar, I don't know. (laughs) I would have have been sitting there, too, probably like, you know what? Uh -uh, I ain't got time for this. But you still have to do what's right before the Lord. Okay. Seven, what were God's instructions to Hagar? Again, going back to Genesis 16 and 9. Told her to go back, submit to your mistress. Uh, Eight, what did Hagar learn about God? Uh, Genesis 16 and 13, that God sees and knows her situation. Uh, Question nine, in light of what you know about God, how do you feel it would help to know him also as Elroy? Make sure you also answer the why of it uh, because it is so important. So how is this important and why is it important? And I wrote me a nice little paragraph here. <laughs> By understanding that God sees me, I think it gives me a sense of awareness that God is there and he is watching. He's watching the other person 
but he is also watching how I respond to things, how I move in the face of adversity, temptation, strife, etc. But it is very important to know him as El Roy because it is a reminder that no matter what situation I'm in, God has not turned a blind eye to it. He does care, and I am not so small that he doesn't even notice me. The Lord sees me totally, fully, and completely. He sees me not only in my current state, but in the future, who he has created me to be and who I will become. And that gives me so much hope because I am not insignificant to God. El Roy not only hears me, but he sees me as well. And he is in complete control, El Elyon. Right? He is supreme. He is creator. And now we know he is the God who sees. That is super powerful. Otherwise, like these names are not just names. Okay, they're not just little cute things that you say when you want to sound churchy. They are reminders to us of who God is. The more you get to know God, right, the more real it starts to become to you. And it's like, man, he is the God who sees. He is uh, the one who's in control. He is the one who is all supreme and all things are under his command. It's powerful stuff, all right? Now, okay, so this week we are finishing up uh, with the God who sees, right, Elroy. However, I do want to caution this with a trigger warning. Um, doing the lesson this morning, I'll be honest, there's some things that kind of jarred at me a little bit. So I just felt like I need to let anybody out there who has dealt with any kind of trauma, any type of abuse, um, anything of that sort, that there might be something in this lesson that you might find triggering. While she, while Kay Arthur does not go into detail, like she doesn't deep dive into any of that stuff, she does kind of mention some things. She touches on it a little bit. And so I just want to say, you know, one, just let you know I'm going to be as careful and as gentle with this as I possibly can because I do not want to trigger anyone. Um, Two, I hope that you can find healing in this lesson because it is very important. Like I realized later in my life, I'm in my 30s now, and I'm realizing and embracing the fact that I have trauma. I have trauma from the things that have happened to me that I've gone through in my life, and I'm going to have to to face that because I can't keep going on because there are things that are triggering for me. Um, and I recognize that, okay, if I don't deal with this, it's going to start affecting, you know, my personal relationships. It's going to affect different uh facets of my life. And so I can't keep going into, I can't go into another season and not deal with these issues, not deal with these things that are basically like old wounds, or not even old wounds, but it's just trauma. 
okay? Um, three, I really want to <laughs> really want to be careful just because I know that even though we are in, in the church, even though we are a body, even though we know we, well, we're supposed to know who God is and we say, you know, the love of God, you know, is amazing and he can heal you, he can restore you. We know that and we say those things, but sometimes we can be very callous and cold and heartless in our response to trauma and things that are traumatizing or triggering for other people. Um, you know, it's kind of like, well, you've been holding on to this for how many years and you should be over that by now. Well, who are you to say that? <laughs> you know? Like, that that's hurtful. Um, as somebody, I personally, those who know my story, have had bouts with suicide. I praise God that I have not had one suicidal thought since 2020, but I've been there. And I think some of the most heartless things that I've heard people say in regards to that are, well, you know, they didn't they didn't believe in God, and that's why. That's why they, they killed themselves. Or, well, their faith wasn't strong enough. You know, if they had had more faith, and they would have gotten through that, you know, issue. And it's like, wow. Wow. You know, just the ignorance that people have. Um, so, again, there might be some things in here that could possibly trigger a memory or anything like that. And like I said, she doesn't go deep into it. She's not descriptive. I just want to personally at least put that out there because I don't want to cause harm. The whole goal really is, like I said, to begin that healing process. While I personally have not gone through any type of physical abuse or uh, sexual abuse, molestation, anything of that sort, um, yeah, like I said, I've, I've been through some stuff. I'm dealing with that trauma now. I had um, an event, something that happened recently that triggered that trauma. And it makes you feel like you were right back in that moment all over again. It's hard, especially, you know, when you feel like, I thought I was getting over this. I thought I was getting over this. I thought I had gotten past it. And what I realized is sometimes it's not that we've gotten over it. We just bury it but she does touch on that in the lesson. We bury things, but we don't address the pain. We don't ever address it. We don't try to talk about it. You know, we just want to pretend like it didn't happen or act like it doesn't affect us, and it does. And it's not fair to yourself. Like, you have to try to get to that place of healing and not saying it's easy. Like I said, I'm still working through it now. Still working through it. But I know that God is able and there's nothing that he can't do. And if he can bring me out of a season, years of my life, where all I wanted to do was die, then he's got to be able to do this 
because I was in such a dark place at one point that I thought I was never going to get out of there. I felt like it was always going to be that way. Now, when I find myself in a place of despair, all I see is hope. And I know that it's going to get better. And I know that a better day is coming. And I refuse to believe anything less than that because I also recognize now that Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. That's his job to keep me in that dark place. And it's like, no, I'm free. So now you just trying other things, right? Like, okay, that doesn't work anymore. Mm, let's try this. There's always something. But the day can literally be that day that you start that journey of healing. Again, it is not easy. It is hard. It is really difficult. But nothing is impossible with the Lord. There is nothing too hard for God. You just got to be willing to give it to him. Okay? Even self-destructive behaviors, which I'm also finding in myself, which is also linked back to that trauma. So we're going to take our time today. We're going to be, like I said, I'm going to be as gentle as I can. Um, for those who maybe are in a place where like, well, I don't really get it, pray for understanding, pray for compassion, that God will give you empathy. Because sometimes, like I said earlier, we can do and say things that can make people feel worse or become resentful towards the church because that's the place where I should be able to get healed and if I'm leaving more damaged than when I came, that's a problem, right? Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to do this a little backwards. I'm going to go through the scriptures first, okay? So we're going to read the verses that she's given us. And then I'm going, like I said, I'm just going to gently, just carefully go through this lesson. Okay. So, first, um, let's go to Psalms 139. Okay. Psalms 139. And then go to verse 7. And we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 12. Almost got it in my ESV. And again, I'm going to read from uh, both King James and the ESV Bible. Psalms 139. Psalms 139, starting at verse 7, and we'll end at verse 12. Okay. 
and this is King James first. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Verse 8, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Verse 9, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, verse 10, Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Verse 11, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Verse 12, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. This is talking about God. Um, There is nowhere that I can run uh, where he's not going to be there. There's no shame or guilt or there's, there's there's nothing I can hide from him. Right. There's nothing he does not see. And I'm going to read from ESV. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? Verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. Verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Verse 10, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light be, and the light about me be night. Verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is a light with you. For darkness is as light with you. Okay, so again, um, there's nothing anyone can hide that God does not see. So even the things that have happened to you in your past, God sees that. No one gets away with anything ever. Okay. Uh, first, oh, I'm sorry. Next scripture is Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter one. Uh, read going from verse 5 through 10, verses 5 through 10. So, Second Thessalonians. One second. Second Thessalonians. Cautions. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 5 through 10. Okay. Starting King James. Uh, Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Seeing is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, Eight, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Verse 10, 
when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony was among you believed in that day. Right now I'm going to read from uh, ESV. It says, The judgment at Christ's coming. Starting at verse 5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you, you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Verse 6. Since indeed God considers it just to repay affliction those who afflict you. Let me read that again. Verse 6, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Verse 7, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Verse 8, and flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the prison punishment of eternal... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Verse 10, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who believed because our testimony to you was believed. That was quite a bit, right? Um, again, this is talking about the coming of Christ, right? When he comes back again, and there's the judgment. For all the things that you have suffered here on earth, Right? The things that people have, you know, done to you, they themselves, especially those if they call themselves Christians and they have not uh, done right by, by you, if they have not made a point to seek forgiveness and to turn away from those evil things, they're going to be held to the judgment. People who do not know God are going to have to answer for the things that they've done. Everybody is going to hold account on the day of judgment because also notice it says that those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, you are disobedient. You also are going to have to answer for that. And to answer to him, you are going to face judgment, whether you like it or not. We all are. There's no getting by that, okay? So, again, going back to, you know, from the review from earlier, right? Um, even when people do wrong by you, even when they do horrible things to you, I am responsible for me. I know that God's got me. Because he just said in his word, right, he will repay those who afflicted me. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. He means that. The same holds true for me as well. If I go trying to take things in my own hands, like I'm going to fix it my way, I have to answer for that. Again, I know it's hard. 
and it's difficult. And trust me, like I said, I am there right now. There's one particular person, the Lord is like, you need to forgive them. You need to forgive them. Stop trying to keep score. Stop trying to, you know, don't you don't fall into that trap of tit for tat. You need to forgive them. I'm like, okay. Okay. I have to trust and believe that God's word is true and that he is going to avenge me. That he does see and he will protect me. I have to believe that God is going to be God. Okay. So, next scripture is Psalms 9 and 10. Psalms, or I'm sorry, Psalm 9. Psalm 9. Okay, Psalm 9 and verse 10. Clear now. Psalm 9, verse 10. Okay. Uh, Starting King James. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. I'm going to read from ESV right now. So Psalms 9, verse 10, uh, ESV. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Even when you feel like you are by yourself. Even when the enemy tells you that God has just given up on you. Like, oh, he's not, he's not going to save you now. Not true. His word is not a lie. He's not like man that he should lie. Maybe he doesn't come in the time that you think he should, but God always shows up. If I just seek his face, even with the trauma, even whatever it is I'm dealing with, he's going to help me through that situation. It goes back to what we just read in Second Thessalonians. We all have to take account. As long as I'm seeking him, I know that I'm safe. And there have been times this this year, last year, old people, old things popping up. And I had to remind myself, you are in a safe place. This person cannot hurt you anymore. Again, I'm not talking about, you know, I've never been physically abused or anything like that. I've been verbally abused, um, which that's difficult to talk about because there are people who don't even think that verbal abuse is an actual thing. But it is. It is. We're not talking about name calling. Verbal abuse is literal abuse. 
and it's hard because you would rather somebody just give you a bruise. Things people say to you stay with you for a long while. It's like they live in your head. Oh, yeah, it's, it's hard. But, you know, that was a a triumphant moment for me to get to that place. And I, you know, went from seeing this person's car or I would see their number or whatever and going to full panic mode to one day seeing their car, thinking I saw them, and then all of a sudden it's like the peace of God just came over me. And that voice again that just reminded me, they can't hurt you anymore. There's nothing this person can say or do to you that can affect you because you're still standing. I still got you. The devil tries very hard to destroy us, and he will use other people to do so. And yet, here I am. But I also have to remember to keep seeking him and trusting in him and believing that God is exactly who he says he is. Even in a situation where I'm dealing with some very difficult, painful things. Okay. Um, next verse is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's it. Right? No, no, no. And then we have the memory verse, which usually, like I said, comes at the end, but we're doing it reverse today. So I hope to help somebody through this, and then we'll go into the lesson very carefully. Okay, so Proverbs 15 and 3 is our memory verse for this lesson. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. Um, I'm read King James first. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And then Proverbs 15, verse 3, ESV. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And remember when we had the study on the Bible. Right, and we learned about God's characteristics, how uh, his divine characteristics, right? He has many characteristics, but there were some few kind of basic foundational ones that we learned. One of them being that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once, all at one time. So he's with me right now. He's with you. He is with his uh, you know, somebody in China, he's with somebody in Italy, he's with somebody in um, Congo, he's with somebody in Brazil, he's with all of us in Nepal, he's with all of us right now, all at the same time. And he sees everything and he's taking account of the things that people are doing. He sees, and he sees you, and he has not forgotten you. 
He is with you. Okay. Now, like I said, carefully just go through this lesson. Um, she does mention that in the beginning, um, I'm just read the quote. Many times we are mistreated, used by someone we trust or rejected. Uh, we tend to bury the situation, which I would say is true. Um, like I said earlier, we take it and it's just like, oh, nope, that didn't happen, or um, I don't want to acknowledge it because then I have to acknowledge that person hurt me. And I don't want to give them the satisfaction of knowing that they hurt me. But instead, it does the opposite. It's like it, it hurts you even more because you won't just acknowledge how they made you feel, right? And even with that, I'm learning not to give someone that kind of power, right? Don't say anymore, they make me feel, they made me feel. No, 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 I feel. Because when you say someone makes you feel a certain way, you are giving them power over your feelings. You're giving them power over you. So when you reclaim back your feelings about how that thing makes you feel, right, I feel angry, I feel hurt, I feel disappointed, whatever that might be, you are now taking that power back from them. And it's like you saying, like, no, I'm not going to give you that kind of power over me anymore to make me feel this way. So, yes. Our natural reaction, our gut reaction, is almost like a, a type of pride or, you know, a, a way that we think of, you know, self-preservation. Like, I'm just going to not deal with this. It hurts too much. And I just don't want to deal with it. So I'm just going to bury that. Right. Uh, going back to the lesson. Um, but our computer-like memory bank stores it. Then something happens. Like I mentioned with me, something happened. And the file is called up and replayed on the screen of our memory. And in that moment, right, I made my little side note, it all becomes too much, so we bury it even deeper. Now, in this particular case, he's referring back to a time where she was talking about abuse um, specifically incest. And so they were having lessons. They were talking about this on a program or something. They had a lot of people call in. And the number of people that were calling in was so great um, that it was astounding to her. Like, she found it unfathomable. Like, how can you do this to a person? But, again, you know, going back to the word about the heart is deceit, uh, exceedingly wicked, deceitful and exceedingly wicked, who can know it? Uh, I think that's Jeremiah. Let me see. Oh, it, went, it opened right to Jeremiah. <laughs> Must be that. Okay. Yes, Jeremiah 9, and, or Jeremiah chapter 17 and 9. 
So in the ESV version, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So, yeah, without Jesus in, in your life, without if you're not constantly dying to this flesh every day and submitting to his will, your heart will lead you to do some pretty evil things, things that you never thought you would ever do in your life. It's possible. We know it's possible because we hear about things on the news every day. Okay? So, that being said, when we don't deal with that trauma, when we don't deal with that pain, whatever that might be, uh, for me for a while was the loss of a friend. Um, It took me forever to accept the fact that she had passed. And it took me even longer uh, to just allow myself to grieve. And it wasn't just with her. It was like her death opened up so many other people in my life um, that I lost, and I just would not allow myself to grieve. And so it just all spilled out at one time. So that was a really um, hard season in my life. You have to address it because the more you keep bearing it, the worse it's going to be, the more it hurts you. So as difficult and as hard as it might be, you have to allow yourself to process through those things and you just take it a little bit at a time. Just do the best you can and you just do a little bit at a time. Okay? So uh, know that healing is possible. Even though the enemy is telling you you'll never get over this, you'll always feel like this, it will always be this way, um, or maybe you keep finding yourself in similar situations or surrounded by similar people, whatever it might be, know that healing is possible for you. And it starts with recognizing God as the God who sees El Roy. Okay? So, Uh, Going back to the lesson, the first time we meet God in the word as El Roy, we find him telling Hagar to go back and deal with the situation. Talking about Genesis 16. Okay, so if you've read it, um, if you haven't, go ahead and read that chapter. But in there you will see when God appears to her, excuse me, when God appears to her, And she acknowledges him as the God who sees. That's the first time that we see that in the word. So, uh, whatever hurt or trauma that you've suffered, you have to face it and deal with it. You can't keep bearing it hoping that it will go away. It's not going to go away. It's not. You are going to have to address it so that God can heal you. Uh, We talked about that before, too. It's like going to the doctor. You know that you're sick. But when you get to the doctor, oh, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. Okay, well, they can't treat healthy people. Until you acknowledge that you need help. And God, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one. I need you to help me. Until you can get to that place, it's just going to keep popping up. 
And in a way, it's almost like Satan just keeps using it to inflict more pain on you. So you have to, you don't want to give him a place to hide anymore. And it's almost like, like I said, I've reached that point now where I'm like, I'm not giving people, I'm not giving the enemy anything to use against me anymore. Like, you're not going to hold this over me anymore. The shame and guilt is also not of God, as of the enemy. We have to face it and we have to deal with it. Okay. As K author says, you must face it and deal with what happened as it really was. God saw it all. There is no hiding facts from him. How do we know that? Because we read it in Psalms one thirty nine, seven through twelve. Nobody hides anything. Nobody gets away with anything. Okay. Uh, the other thing is that God will vindicate you. There is forgiveness, but for those who reject our Lord and Savior, there is a day of judgment. And it will be a righteous judgment, for God saw it all. Again, um, it doesn't matter what it is. Even, you know, it's like you they can go and they can smile and they can put on a great show and they can fool everybody else. You're not going to fool God, though. You can sit here and lie to yourself, but you can't lie to God. Because he sees everything. He sees the intentions of your heart. He knows your thoughts. You can't hide anything from him. Okay. Again, we know that because like with the verse we just read, Second Thessalonians 1, uh, 5 through 10, right? There's going to be that day of judgment. Christ is coming back again. And everybody's going to hold account for the things that they've done. Okay. Um, so whether it is trauma or abuse, whatever it is, okay, know that God will turn around for your good. Um, another quote, as horrible and, and destructive as it seems, in God's economy, in his kingdom, it will be used for good. You must know him, believe him, and put your trust in his name. For he does not forsake those who seek him. Again, how do we know that? Because we read the scripture, verse uh, Psalms 9 and 10. He is not going to abandon me and leave me stranded and leave me hanging. There were times I reached out for help, and it felt like nobody was there. You know, I felt like I had to do it all on my own. I don't have to do it on my own anymore because I know who God is. All I have to do is seek him. If I just reach out to him, he's there. Like I said, sometimes he may not come right at the time that you want him to, but he always shows up at on time. It's always on time. Okay, so he sees, God sees, you can't, but he can. Why? Like I said in uh, from the review earlier, God sees everything. He doesn't just see me in my right now. He sees my past, but he also sees my future. He sees where I'm headed. 
He sees who I'm going to become, who he's made me to be. He sees everything. Even when I'm in a time that's kind of turbulent and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where I'm going to go from here. I don't know what the future is going to bring. What is the next season going to look like? I can't worry about that. First of all, he said in Matthew uh, chapter 6, not to even worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Just know that I got you. Okay? So he sees, but you, uh, you can't, but he can't. He is our strong tower, so we need to run to our strong tower and rest in him. But you got to believe that he's your strong tower. Okay? So, as we uh, will learn more about God, or as we learn about his other names, we're going to learn more and more about who God is. Right? By knowing those things, it will become a comfort to us. It will heal us. It will be our sanity, our hope. And as Kayatha says, protection against the fiery darts of the accusing liar. Satan is a liar. He will tell you every reason why. Is Well, you know, it's never going to be okay. It's, nothing's ever going to change. You won't amount to anything. Who will want you? But he's a liar. So you can't listen to him. <laughs> Instead, when he's sitting there telling you those lies, that's when you need to find yourself in your word the most. Where are you? Well, I don't know where to start. Start one scripture at a time. Even if it's the, you know, those scriptures that people always say, uh, <laughs> what is it? I'll mount up with wings. Like an eagle, I think I just quoted that wrong. In Isaiah, when the Lord is on my side, who can stand against? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In Romans, start somewhere, and you just read that verse until you know it like the back of your hand, and when that thing comes up, you can say that scripture to yourself. There was a time I almost had a, uh, it felt like I was having a panic attack. And I felt like I was really about to lose my mind, and literally that scripture from Timothy popped up. And I just started speaking over myself. The spirit of fear is not a God, but love and a power and a strong mind. And I just kept saying it. And even though I couldn't quote it perfectly, I still think I messed it up now. I was able to say that thing over me and over and over again. Until that spirit of fear or whatever that was left, I, I saw it leave. Like it was almost like a thick darkness started coming over me, and I saw it leave. You are in a spiritual battle, and you have got to use the weapons that God has given you in order to fight him, the enemy, an accusing liar, with. Your attitude, your willpower, your words, that don't mean nothing to him. He he laughs at that. Like, oh, okay. That might work for a little while. But he's just gonna he's just gonna keep chipping at you. You gotta learn how to pick up that word. I have a a little note card. It's not a Rolodex, but a little pad. 
where it has all these scriptures in it. And now I just get into the habit of every day of reading those scriptures over and over and over again. I have one side in Spanish and the other side in English. So I'm like, you know, we're doing double duty today. <laughs> again, the double portion of the word in two languages, but it's the same scripture twice. And I just read it over and over and over again. And I'll read it, and then the next day I pick it up, and I read those all those scriptures again. It's about 50 cards. I don't have quite 50 uh, scriptures yet. It's not full yet. But the ones that I do have in there, I read them again and again and again. And it's funny because one of those scriptures literally popped up the day. It was some foolishness came into my mind, and that scripture popped up. It was like, hmm, okay. You don't think I have some days where I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't feel like I want to read this. That's that's the enemy. He will play with you. He'll mess with you through your feelings and about how you feel. Well, you know what, Lord, you you came through that day. Let me pick up this word again. So you just you just power through it one day at a time, one little step at a time, and learn to speak life over yourself. Like, I, I didn't even realize that either, that I had a bad habit of just speaking horrible things over myself. Now all I do is speak life. When this happens, when I get this job, when I, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm just speaking things, not if, well, if, and, well, I'm not sure. Mm-mm. When I learn this language, when I get to this place, like, no. We, we declare victory over here. Like, no, I'm not going to be bound by these things anymore. This is not going to hold power over me anymore. Even with food, okay? Like, I, I know that's not, you know, right away a little bit, but even with food, as I realize, okay, I overeat. <laughs> and I don't want to develop bad eating habits. I don't want to end up on, you know, medication for the rest of my life. I don't want to be in an unhealthy place. So now I just start speaking over that. Okay, I will. <laughs> I do have self-control because that is a fruit of the Spirit. He gave us temperance. So you do have self-control. So you can't be like, oh, you know, I just couldn't help myself. No, that's a lie. He gave you self-control. I will eat healthy. I will make better choices. I will not overeat. I will not indulge in a whole bunch of sugar. (laughs) Something as simple as that. Again, owning those feelings, right? Okay, right now, you know, somebody coming at me sideways at work, whatever it is. Somebody coming at you sideways. Okay, I feel angry. I do. Not they make me angry. I feel angry. But I don't have to respond to that. Anger, but sin not. That's the scripture. So, one step at a time. Get in your word. Start memorizing and learn the word for yourself. That's how you win this fight. And you have to, like I say, you have to start speaking life over your situation. Why would you speak hell and damnation over yourself? Death over yourself, like you are not helping you. And you are your greatest asset. You can either be your greatest enemy or your greatest ally. So you have to open up your mouth 
because life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you have to start speaking over yourself. And like I said, even if you, you got to write some scriptures down, you're like, ooh, that's a good one. And you just have like a journal or something, and you go, you pick it up, and you read that thing every day. Do I know all, all the scriptures in my little Rolodex thing by heart? Not yet. But I know that I will. So again, I know I keep saying it just once at a time. Healing is possible for you. You can be healed today. You can start on that journey right now. But you have to decide that you are tired. You are tired of holding on to that pain. You are tired of being manipulated through that pain. You are tired. And you are going to fully surrender it over to God. You're not going to carry that stuff with you anymore. Because he did call for you to be free and not in bondage. He wants you to be restored. He wants you to be whole. So that can happen today if you let it. All right. Okay. So I said I I did my best to carefully uh, just go through that. Um, I, I sincerely do hope that somebody was helped today through this lesson. As difficult as it might have been, I sincerely, truly hope that for you, whoever is listening, okay? Um, we do have questions, so, um, but I'm a little bit over time. I'm going to just read the questions and then do like I usually do. So I'll, I was planning to read my responses, but um, I'll just read the questions, and then next week, when we go back over it, um, I'll read my answers and share, like, my testimony and things. Okay? So, uh, first question is, what were the circumstances surrounding the revelation of God as El Rui? What were the circumstances surrounding the revelation of God as El Rey. What were the circumstances surrounding the revelation of God as El Rey? Question two. How did you feel about what was done to Hagar does it parallel anything that has happened in your own life, right? Have you gone through a similar situation of uh, rejection or running away? Okay. How did you feel about what was done to Hagar? Does it parallel anything that has happened in your own life? How did you feel? about what was done to Hagar, does it parallel anything that has happened in your own life? Question three, in that situation, would it have helped you at all to know God as Elrie? How? In that situation, 
would it have helped you at all to know God as El Reed? How? In that situation, would it have helped you at all to know God as El Reed? How? Question four. What do you think about dealing with cases of abuse in the way the author describes? So if you have the book, um, feel to, to feel free to kind of read that chapter. Uh, the book is called Laura I Want to Know You by Kate Author. So question four, what do you think about dealing with cases of abuse in the way the author describes? What do you think about dealing with cases of abuse in the way the author describes? Five, in what other situations would it help to know God as El How? Be specific and practical. And in what other situations would it help to know God as El How? Be specific and practical. In what other situations would it help to know God as El Rey? How? Be specific and practical. Trying to find a definition for practical. Um, The only thing I can think of maybe being close to what they're saying, uh, capable of being put to use or account, useful. Uh, Concerned with voluntary action, ethical decisions. Uh, Disposed to action as opposed to speculation or abstraction. I think that's the one she's referring to. Disposed to action as opposed to speculation or abstraction. So really be concrete and specific. Okay. This is not a what if question or a hypothetical Like, literally look in your own life and think about situations where it would help to know him as already. How would it help? Be specific in those things. Because when we get specific, that's when healing begins. When we start identifying those things, right? And finally, 
the last part is just to give God thanks that he is the God who sees. So, uh, like I said, I hope I helped somebody today, and I um, hope you were comforted in this lesson today. I hope that you got some kind of reminder that healing can begin for you today. You are not your past. You are not those things that have ever happened in your life. All that has gone out. But you have to start the healing process to truly walk in victory. So you can be that overcomer and not a victim. You are an overcomer. Okay. Um, I love y'all. And uh, let's go ahead and, and pray out. Um, Lord God, uh, the, uh, this week's lesson was a challenge, but we are thanking you that you are the God who sees. We thank you for healing us. We thank you for always watching over us, God. Um, we are blessed to know that there is nothing too hard for you, that you will avenge us, you will keep us, you will be our protector, our shield. We thank you, God, for reminding us that Satan is a liar, that all the horrible and evil things that he speaks over us, they are a lie, and none of it makes the things that you have spoken over us void. Well, I thank you just for being who you are. I pray, God, that uh, your words take root on the day. Uh, help those of us who lack understanding in those areas to grow in empathy, um, give them the wisdom that their words be with grace, seasoned with salt, that they will know how to respond to those issues and respond in a loving and godly manner. Um, help us to be more empathetic to people who are dealing with these issues, God. Um, and Lord, just I pray for those who are currently in that bondage, who are in that state of hurt, that you will minister to them, that you will heal them and touch them, God, and help them to begin on that journey to freedom, to reclaiming back the power that you have given them, God, over those things. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you. We glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray, thank God, and amen. Uh, hope that you guys uh, have a safe weekend. Like I said, just take it one day at a time. And hope that you'll join us for next week. Take care and God bless.